Well, good morning, everyone. Again, thanks again for having me. I'm so blessed to be here. Uh, we're so uh, uh, blessed to be able to share the ministry together, and, I, and I'm so excited to know that that uh, Josh and Kevin are up there with Doug Dahmer, just uh, just encouraging him as he takes a new step in, in his ministry and allowing me to be here with you. Well, thank you. All right. So I just, I, I, you know, I just wanted to just uh, take a moment just to introduce myself again and, and just let you know a little bit about me. Um, so my name is Pastor Lonnie Gonzalez, and I am fortunate to have been in ministry since 2000. And, uh, and I'm married to my wife, Joy, of 26 years. And we are blessed to have three children. Um, we have Luke, who is 23, and he's pursuing a music career in L.A., and then we have a, a younger son uh, named Isaiah, who's 21, and he's actually headed to New Zealand on Thursday to go do mission work. Anybody want to go with him? Yeah, New Zealand, what, a, what an opportunity. And then I have a 16-year-old daughter, and she's so beautiful. Uh, today she is in the LSA musical, uh, uh, Mary Poppins. And so that's why they weren't able to be with me today. But I have a 16-year-old daughter and my wife that usually are with me in ministry, but today... They're getting ready for that, their last show that starts at 2 o'clock this afternoon. So anyway, that's just a little bit about me. As you know, uh, um, I'm with Link Houston, so I get, to, I get to help churches start here in Houston among people who basically who don't speak English, those who, uh, who we can help along in their ministry and help them grow in their ministry. So uh, it's a great, and, and, and Pilgrim Lutheran is a huge partner with us. You guys host, currently are hosting three of our our sites here, and we just want to say thank you this morning for that and what you're doing for, for the greater Houston community as you host churches that uh, are from around the world here at Pilgrim Lutheran. So thanks again. Uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to have my little water bottle up here just because I don't know about you guys, but I have been nursing this little scratchy throat for a while. I promise I'm not contagious, <laughs> but I just, uh, just had this little scratchy throat this morning, so I'm going to have to have some water to go with that. So Anyway, hey, I like to, I don't know about you guys, but I like, anybody like a little bit of humor on Sunday morning? Yeah? A little bit of humor on Sunday? You know, I, I, I love the Reader's Digest. Anybody else? I, I grew up with the Reader's Digest because my dad read the Reader's, Reader's Digest, Pastor Jesse Gonzalez. And I love the jokes in the Reader's Digest. And I love this one joke. And by the way, my message this morning is God's math of grace alone. And so this morning we're going to be talking about God's math of grace alone, how how awesome and ridiculous it is, God's math. We're going to be talking about that this morning. So I thought we might have a few math jokes this morning. Let's start with the first one. What did the two fours, why, excuse me, why did the two fours skip lunch? They, are, they already ate. Got it? You with me? You with me? I know, they're, I know they're not the best jokes, but hey, a little bit of humor in the morning doesn't hurt us. What did one math book tell to the other one? Don't bother me, I have my own problems. And then finally, after, after a talking sheepdog gets all of his sheep in the pen, he reports back to the farmer. All 40 are accounted for, the sheepdog says. And the farmer said, but I only have 36 sheep. I know, said the sheepdog, but I rounded them up. Math jokes, math jokes, okay. I told you, they're not great, but they, they get us a little bit of humor in the morning. So as I was thinking about this morning, how many here have been watching the 64 teams whittle down to a final four of March Madness? Yeah? 
Yeah, unfortunately, the Cougs didn't make it, and that's okay. But Texas Tech won, and I heard Texas Tech is going to be in the Final Four for the first time in its entire history. As I was thinking about that, I was thinking about this idea of God's math. God's math. And how awesome is God's math? But I also thought it was important for us to begin this morning with this idea of this idea of zero grace. Okay, I want to I want to I want you to think about this for a moment. If you've watched any of the any of the games this season, there usually is one or two games that gets down to where there's only like one or two seconds left, right? One or two seconds left, and the the poor soul that got fouled is at the foul line, right? He's at the foul line, and he can either tie it or the game's over. He can either tie. He's there two behind, two seconds left. The poor soul is sitting at the, at the foul line, and everybody, everything's depending on him to make this last, these two shots. And in order for them to tie or the game's over. You see, this idea of zero grace in the world, anybody ever feel like everything's riding on them? You ever had that feeling? Where everything's riding on how well I do. If I can make these last two shots, I can give life to my team. Or we're done for the season. All that hard work, all the things that we did to get to this point is seemingly for nothing because everything's riding on these last two shots. Can anybody relate to that? Yeah? You ever been a time in your life where you felt like, Everything was riding on you. That's what zero grace looks like. Zero grace looks like when everything depends on what I do. You know, Pastor Josh and Pastor Kevin have been doing, I, I, by the way, I went and listened to all the sermons from this series. And I think this is the last one. Is that right, Rick? This is the last one for this. So I, get to, I get to wrap it up for everybody. But I, I got First of all, I want you to know something. You know, I've done a lot of preaching, and I've heard a lot of preaching. You guys got some two fabulous long, young preachers. <laughs> In case you didn't know that, praise God. And they're they're not here to receive receive that. But hey, you know what? I know you guys let them know uh, all the time. So, but this zero grace is is when everything is depending on what I do. And again, I, I don't know about you, but there's many days I wake up and my heart is, is, is heavy. Uh, and then you go about the day and, and, and maybe certain things happen throughout the day and, you, and your heart's heavy because you just really sense this idea that there's zero grace in the world for me. And, you know, as Americans, we've kind of conditioned ourselves for this. Because even, even since we were little, you know, here in America, we hear certain phrases like this, and we hear them from when we're little all the way until we get through college, and we hear things like this, the early bird gets the worm. No pain, no gain. 
There's no such thing as a free lunch. Zero grace. Demand your rights. You get what you pay for. I know these rules well because I live by them. Zero grace. I work for what I earn. I like to win. I insist on my rights. Zero grace. Now, this is probably the biggest one. I want people to get what they deserve, nothing more and nothing less. Zero grace. Pastor Josh and Pastor Kevin have been telling you about the means of grace. They told you about the the grace that comes in baptism, the grace that comes in the Lord's Supper, and the grace that comes from hearing from the Word of God. Brothers and sisters in Christ, as a Lutheran community, everything rides on the Word of God. Amen? Not on how we feel. Not on, not on how we, how, how, what other people think about us. Whether they think more about us or less about us. But this morning, we... We rest this morning knowing that grace alone means that means there is nothing I can do to make God love me more or less. God's math of grace alone means that grace alone means that there's nothing I can do to make God love me more. And there's nothing I can personally do to make God love me less. You see, there's a big difference between zero grace and grace alone. We in our Lutheran community declare to the world that as we hear God and we listen to God, that we know that God approaches us not with zero grace, but with grace alone found in his son, Jesus Christ. And if we look at scripture, we can see many testimonies, many sermons, many parables that Jesus teaches about the beauty of grace alone. Remember the 99, that the shepherd leaves the 99 for the one. Isn't that crazy math? To think that the shepherd loves his sheep so much that if one goes astray, even just one goes astray, that he's willing to leave the 99 to find the one. Crazy math. God's math. I think of another story that Jesus, that the scriptures teach us about Jesus' encounter with a woman. A woman who sees Jesus and recognizes him as the Messiah and and takes the one thing that she has that has the most value and it's a pint of perfume worth one year's wages and she takes that pint of perfume and she anoints Jesus with it. Because 
the grace alone, the Jesus of the Scriptures who loves those who are far away from, from God and, and want them to come near to God through Him. She saw that in Jesus. And she took what was worth a year's wages and spent them on Jesus. God's math. When I think about God's math, I think about that parable that Jesus teaches and he talks about how the, the woman comes to, to worship. And she comes to worship and she gives one penny. And Jesus says her one penny is worth more than the individual who came and gave his 10%. See, God, his math is ridiculous. <laughs> it's out of this world. God's math of grace alone. And if that wasn't enough, we remember what Jesus teaches Peter when Peter says, Lord, how much should we forgive? How often shall we forgive one another? And we have to remember in their culture, if someone had done something wrong to you, you're only required to forgive three times. And after the third time, you were no longer required to forgive that sin from that individual. And Jesus says seven times 70 we should forgive. Or 77 times. Jesus, he, he unloads on him and says, forgiveness, there's, there's a wealth of forgiveness for each and every one of us. Not just the standard that we've given each other, that three is enough. And whether it's 77 times or 490 times that we're to forgive someone, Jesus has this math that's amazing, that's unpredictable. And he calls his disciples like you and me to adopt Jesus' math in, our, in each and every one of our lives. I love this quote from uh, C.S. Lewis. He says, To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. Amen? Each one of us has a part of us that we wrestle with every day and is really inexcusable before God. And C.S. Lewis says, we ought to forgive the, the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in us. And it kind of looks like this. I don't get what I deserve. That's called mercy. I deserve punishment, but I got forgiveness. I deserve God's wrath, his divine anger I deserve, but I got love. I deserve to be a debtor but I get a clean history, credit history. I deserve stern lectures 
and crawl on my knees in repentance. That's what I deserve. But I got an invitation to the banquet that has no end in heaven. Amen? I don't know if you remember these words. From Isaiah 55. And many of these times, these words are taken out of context. But in Isaiah 55, these words were there to describe the eagerness of God to forgive us. How much does God love us? How much does he want to forgive us? And we were talking about God's math and how amazing it is. Isaiah 55 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, praise Jesus, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As far as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts, says the Lord. When God looks at us and he considers our sins, he says, my way's better. <laughs> my way of forgiveness is better. And we know that God is almighty. And God is a holy God. And God is a God who reserves the right to alter the rules if he wants to. And in Hosea chapter 11, Hosea, he describes the relationship that he has with God, that God has with man. And he uses two intimate words for the people of God, Ephraim and Israel. And he says, how can I give up you, O Ephraim? How can I hand you over to your sin, Israel? My heart is changed within me, and all my compassion is aroused. God, in his grace to us, God is grace alone. And he says to you and to me, and we can fill in our names, how can I give up on you, Lonnie? How can I hand you over, Lonnie? My heart is changed within me for you, Lonnie. And all my compassion, all that suffers within me for you, Lonnie, is aroused. God's heart of grace alone for you and for me. Amen? So how can I give up on you? Say that with me. How can I give up on you? One more time. How can I give up on you? Now, I want you to say it with your name. How can I give up on you, Lonnie? How can I hand you over? Say it with me. How can I hand you over? Say it again. How can I hand you over? Now, add your name. How can I hand you over, Lonnie? For my heart is changed 
within me, says God. And all my compassion is aroused for you. Lonnie, I love you. Pilgrim, I love you. And God has the last word. He says, I will not carry out my fierce anger, for I am God, and I'm not man, the Holy One among me. Thank God, God is nothing like us. <laughs> Amen. That He is high and lifted up. This morning in our story that Lori read for us, it talked about this amazing scenario. A farmer comes and he offers men to come and to work in his vineyards. And the early bird gets the worm, doesn't he? <laughs> he shows up early, right? And the farmer says, I'm going to give you a denarius, a day's wages for your work today. And then the farmer goes out and he finds a few more who could probably use a denarius today. And he goes out there and he finds them and he says, come work for me. And he goes out there in the last hour and he finds a few more in the last hour. And when he finds that few more, and you got to think about this, this is the lazy of the lazies. These guys... Don't, probably don't even want to work. But because the farmer said, hey, yeah, come and work for me and I'll pay you a denarius. The day's almost over. Why not? Let's go. And so the few come and they work for the farmer. And I don't know if you noticed in the story, but in the story, the farmer starts to pay the people that got there last first. Isn't that interesting? So everybody who got there at the wee early in the morning got to see all the people who showed up later get paid first. And not less, but the same amount as the persons who showed up early in the morning. Zero grace. This is a zero grace statement. These last worked only an hour. And you have made them what? Equal to us. Who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. And the owner comes around and he speaks words of grace alone. Take what belongs to you and go and I, I choose to give to the last worker, what I gave to you. Am I not allowed to do as I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge me because of what? My generosity. So the last will be first, and the first will be last. God's math of grace. A 
alone. This morning, each and every one of us needs to wrestle with this. And I ask you this question. And I think we all need to ask this question of ourselves. Does my spiritual life resemble a life defined by zero grace or grace alone? Do I live my life begrudgingly or do towards others? Or do I live my life as one who has received generosity to give away generosity? To see that the last will become first and the first will become last. Each and every one of us every day has to wake up and ask my, ourselves a question. Will I live today with zero grace, or will I live today in my spiritual journey as one who lives grace alone? And I can tell you from personal experience, brothers and sisters in Christ, there's no way better way to live than with grace alone. For myself and for each other. That when I see your beautiful faces this morning, I see a group here whom God has loved and loves with grace alone. As I think about this in closing, I think about the disciple whom Jesus loved. We know that to be the Apostle John. And the Apostle John, as he writes the gospel of John for you and for me, he referenced himself as this, I am the one Jesus loves. What if every morning, each and every one of us got up every morning and said, <laughs> I'm the one Jesus loves. What if each and every morning, before we did anything, before we had any other thought, we just said, I'm the one Jesus loves. We got up in the morning, we looked ourselves in the mirror. I know it's not pretty for me. But we stand in the mirror and we say, I'm the one that Jesus loves. What if each morning you and I decided to live in grace alone and decided to look at our spiritual journey as one that begins every day in the loving arms of Jesus Karl Barth, one of the renowned theologians, said this when, he, when someone asked him, Dr. Barth, what is the most profound truth you have ever learned in all of your studies theologically? You know what Karl Barth said? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. What if each and every one of us put away all of our big theological thoughts and rested on this one theological thought? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And lived each day in that reality. I believe that that is God's call for us this morning. As we wrap up this series on grace, 
that God is calling us to say to one another and to each other, God loves you, and so do I. Amen? Amen.